Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. Ben Gessling hosting today. I am joined for a, a special pre-draft episode uh, by two of our esteemed columnists, Patrick Roisey and Chip Scoggins. Uh, we've all covered the Vikings for a long time. Chip and Pat have done it for much longer than me. So uh, the plan for today is kind of to, to just tell some stories about how the draft has changed over the years, about uh, stories that we've seen in our time around the Vikings that stick out to us and uh, hopefully just have some fun kind of going down memory lane as we get ready for the start of the draft on Thursday night. So guys, uh, thanks for joining us and <clears throat> looking forward to, uh, to hearing some stories here in the next uh, 30, 40 minutes or so. Absolutely. All, all right. Uh, you know what? I, I always lament Ben that uh, it was before my time when Van Brocklin was running the draft in the sixties. <laughs> uh, and if you go back then, it's amazing. If you're looking for the changes, I mean, they had the first overall draft choice, Tommy Mason in uh, 1960. Actually, I think the draft draft was held in December of 1960 because the AFL was, you know, getting started and fighting right. for him. And, and Tommy Mason, and I looked it up uh, oh, a couple of years ago, and one of the papers had like a 12-inch story on the draft, uh, you know, on, on page three. And Tommy Mason was like, and they said, Vikings, Vikings use first choice on Mason. And then there was like three graphs on Mason and then, Rip Hawkins, who was a linebacker from North Carolina, I believe he was in the second round. And, you know, we had a couple of graphs on him. And then, and Tarkington was the third choice. And, uh, you know, that was it. It was about 10, 12 inches on the on page three of the of the uh, morning tribune. And the star did the, did the same thing. I mean, it was, it just, it, they, they, I don't even know if they gathered New York. It came out of some hotel room in New York, but I don't know. I think they called in. Yeah, I think it was a the, conference whoever call. The, whoever the people, I don't even know if they have conference calls. I think they just <laughs> called out a phone or sent well, Western Union telegrams or something. But it was, <laughs> there was 20 rounds and they had no appreciation for draft choices. I mean, they gave, <laughs> Van Brocklin gave up the number one for the following year, I believe, to the New York uh giants for george saw shaw was an old beat-up quarterback who who got hooked in the second quarter of the first game <laughs> and basically didn't play again but van brocklin wanted a veteran quarterback and shot <laughs> then he's back up in la so he drafted for him so anyway. well pat patrick speak, speaking of how it changed what was the story where sid the the draft pick and told him he's getting drafted by the vikings Oh, I can't remember that one. No, he, he called him up and said that. Yeah, yeah I think what wasn't the story that Sid actually called and told somebody he's getting, he's getting drafted? <laughs> well, that, that could have been. Yeah, that could, that, that could have been. It was, uh, I remember going out to a couple of them uh, when Bud was running the thing. And I mean, it was, there were, nobody ever questioned Bud, even when they did something dunderhead, you know, they didn't, uh, <laughs> he didn't question Bud. There was a reverence of covering Bud that was, uh, that uh, drove me nuts. But, uh, uh, you know, but it was, it was completely different. They used to, you know, they had that little office out on France Avenue, a little tiny building there, and they'd have a 
six people in this room and media guys and tell them, yeah, this is who we drafted. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. Pat, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as you say that. So now that, you know, they have a million scouts and they go to games yes. every weekend and they have, you know, pro days and the combine and all these different, I mean, they see these guys so much back then. How did they scout guys? Was it just, <laughs> Did they, I think they, they had a buddy, man. Brocklin had some buddies who were coaches. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories, and it doesn't have anything to do with the Vikings, but Don McMahon was the Vikings pitching coach and one of the greatest guys of all time and died of a heart attack at way too young. And, uh, but he went to high school with Al Davis at Erasmus Hall in, uh, in New York. So when the baseball season ended, he scouted for for for, uh, for Davis. He'd go to college football games and scout for Davis. <laughs> and I remember, I remember him once telling me that he didn't he he marked this receiver down because he couldn't judge the football in the air, right? <laughs> and I said, "What do you mean? It's a football. It's not a baseball. It's, you, know, you, you can't not judge it." And then later on, I saw Troy Williamson, and I realized right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't judge. Well, I guarantee you. I, be, I guarantee you. Back in the old days, a lot of NFL coaches would just call coach, college coaches and say, "Who do you at? Well, who should we draft?" You know. And you know another thing, and this has got nothing to do with the draft, but guys, when the Vikings first came here, they still had the college All Star game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, so the first two draft choices, Mason. And Rip Hawkins, they didn't see until like the end of July. <laughs> they they've been doing camp for like two three weeks because they were down in Chicago playing with the. Uh, now Tarkington didn't go to the college all star game. He didn't get selected, but that lasted until the late sixties, I think. I know I went down there one time in the middle sixties with my buddy Augie from the St. Cloud Times, and we didn't draw a sober breath for about three days. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> waiting for that all-star game because we went down there with a couple of SID buddies. And, uh, but it was, but that went on. It, can you? That's another thing, Ben. I mean, they used to let their good players, you know, their high draft choices, yeah. go play in the Chicago for three weeks and maybe get a knee injury. You know. Oh terrible. my gosh. Well, yeah. it's funny that with that game because I remember reading Jerry Kramer's book years ago, instant replay, the, the kind of seminal classic of what life was like in the NFL at that time. And and I think it was that they would play the, the, the NFL champion every year. Yes, they would. Yes. So the Packers of course played in a couple of these things. And I remember reading in that book, like Lombardi was, we cannot lose this game. It was not <laughs> treated like an exhibition. <laughs> and so the hitting and the, the contact obviously follows with that. And it's just a different, completely different thing than what you would see now. Well, I believe Lombardi, I believe the college all-stars last ever victory was over a Lombardi team. Uh, Cause they didn't win many, but they, it went on from the 19 late 1930s. Arch Ward, the sports editor of the Chicago Tribune, who also started the baseball all-star game, started the college all-star game too. Sports uh, editors had a little more influence back then. Than they <laughs> but uh, he, he started, and that was it. I think it started in the late 30s. And now, I don't know if it continued through the war, but it they played it 30 times probably. So. Pat, yeah. did they get killed? Did the college kids get killed by those guys? 
Not all the time, not all the time, but there was, I think the college all-stars won like four or five games out of 30. Wow. But when it, when it first started off, they were, I think, fairly competitive. I, I, I can't remember when it started, mm. but I remember it being a big deal. It was like the start of the football season. It was wow. uh, the, the, the late July, usually or early August. So yeah, yeah but we need, we need to bring that back, right? Yeah, well, we, <laughs> but we did, uh, you know, that I guess I was trying to pass it along the idea that this is what the draft and rookies and everything <laughs> meant back then. It was just, yeah. oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We have six exhibition games, don't worry about it. We'll get him here eventually. So, anyway, so, I think, sir. though, I think, though, Ben, if you're your all time favorite stories here have to be the, the Ticey's 2002-2003 drafts, yeah. wouldn't you? I mean, you, Chip, you were, well, you were here for those. I was, I, I was in town, but I wasn't on the beat. Um, yeah, but uh, 2002, the legend, the legend is that they, I think when we look back at it, we all think that they delayed taking their pick two straight years, right? 2002 and 2003. Sure, yeah, right, yeah. But actually, and I looked it up today to make sure I was right. Uh, they, they missed, they were supposed to pick seventh in 2002 and they, uh, they traded up. They, they thought they had a trade to trade up to get the sixth pick. And they wanted to get this Ryan Sims, a defensive tackle. And then the NFL ruled against them that they hadn't that they hadn't gotten trade in in time so the the chiefs took ryan smith ryan sims yeah. who ended up having a knee injury and didn't turn him be a much of a player but and so the vikings got the wonderfully uh fun bryant mckinney seven he turned out to be a much better player even though one of his last acts for the vikings was to get thrown out of the pro bowl but was, you know but he was a character but then the next year was when they didn't get their pick in for yeah. uh you know they were supposed to pick seventh they didn't get their pick in in time and two teams sneaked in in front of them i looked it up uh the jacksonville sneaked in in front of them and took byron leftwich and then uh, Carolina sneaked in in front of them and got Jordan Gross, but the Vikings came out okay because they got yeah. Kevin Warren. But, but we gave Ticey a lot of heat about that anyway. That's the thing. I mean, you think about the, you know, could have been an all-time screw-up and you land with Kevin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you ended up Not a bad screw-up. <laughs> you ended up with the best of the three players. But, you know, and, and late, you know, there was also a conspiracy theory. Yeah, the, that red wanted them to slip down so they didn't have to pay as much money. Yeah. Well, always did that ever, I mean, I'm sure that never got confirmed, but that was always the talk that red didn't want to pay, want to pay a smaller signing bonus. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Red was, that was when he knew he was selling and all he cared about was making sure they didn't spend any money. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't or, in the, you know, but go ahead, Pat. I was going to say that, you know, the end of Ticey was uh, when he wouldn't let him hire a defense offensive sure. coordinator. <laughs> Linehan left and he said, "Yeah, let Steve Loney do it. What the hell? He's the offensive <laughs> so, you know." And so that that basically blew up Ticey's chances. So well, anyway, well, well, back then, remember they held the draft, the draft party in the field house there at Winter Park, and they would bring yep. in yes five thousand fans or whatever I mean it was, and it would be just chaotic in there with. 
you know, fans cheering and music. And I can't even imagine the atmosphere in that building. <laughs> When they get passed over, were they booing? Is that was is that what Tyson was saying? Calm down, calm down. We know what we're doing here. Yeah, that might have been it. I I was downstairs. I wasn't up there with the minions, but uh, we were just downstairs laughing, basically watching <laughs> on TV. And uh, but uh, you know that was a, I think guys a very a recent phenom, isn't it? Like the last twenty years, they started doing that stuff. I they have well, the, the party public outpouring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they was. Um, it definitely, so I got on a beat in 2007, right? It was a big part then. I mean, you were, you know, they made it that first, that first day. I mean, it was, you know, the cheerleaders and the owners would come in and all the fans and they'd have, celebrity, you know, former players come in and they'd broadcast from the radio. But that was, so it would have been the 2000, and my most, most memorable one was the Percy Harvey draft, um, which was what, 2009, Ben? Um, 2009. And and remember that the, the lead up to that was uh, we always get Spielman a couple days before the draft. And and the lead up to that draft was the red dots. Spielman came out with the red dots. He let that slip that they have red dots, you know, <laughs> red dots on, on 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 prospects that they will not take under no circumstances. They weren't all characters. Some of them were injuries, but some of them were red flags, you know, whatever. We've red dotted 78 players. Won't take them. 78. They all got red dots. So that became like the big story with all these red dots. Yeah. The next day was it leaked out that Childress was down in Florida hanging out with Percy Harvin at last second because he had failed a drug test at the a marijuana test at the uh, combine. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, maybe that's a, a yellow. <laughs> not, not a full no, red. Yeah, maybe right. maybe he's getting different. maybe he's getting a yellow dot. Maybe um, you could run a nine four. You got to get the dot. <laughs> you're, not a red, you're not getting a red. You're not getting a red dot. So then, no. of course, then they, you know, that night they take him. It's a green dot for Percy, and you know, the place <laughs> is going crazy. You know, green, fans green are dot. excited. That that place that you know the the field house is going crazy. Fans are cheering. Ziggy and Mark are up there talking to him. You know, it's like his story. They got you know Percy. This guy fell to him. I think he was at twenty two. Um, and I remember we're out there, it's late at night and Ziggy comes down they're trying to hustle him from the stage, you know, back through the weight room where they get him out of there. And here comes Sid and he's not going to be denied. And he's got this tape recorder and he says, Ziggy, Ziggy, I thought you weren't taking any marijuana guys. <laughs> so they took the marijuana guy, but, um, that's funny. Too bad like, Sid wasn't a cancer doctor, isn't he? <laughs> he would have had that good bedside manner. You got two weeks. You know? Forget it. Right. You're, you're done. It's over. Um, the Harvard no, pick predates it, me on the beat by like three years, but that story had I that that <laughs> lived on for really since yeah. 2009. I, I've been on the beat since 2012, and and uh, that one. That one has lived for a long time, but it was interesting. I mean, that was the that was the total tip off. That, I mean, it literally was three days before the draft. Childress flew to Florida for one last time to say, basically, can I trust you? <laughs> you know, well, you know, this is not going to be a blow up in my face, right? And he came back and must have said, yeah. He said, yeah. you can trust me, but I'm not going to practice on Wednesdays. <laughs> Don't practice on Wednesday. I won't and be they, there. I, you know. And then, and then Patrick, the first like that, like, you know, that weekend they always have the rookie minicamp, 
Yeah. I think Percy got. I think Percy got as far as Atlanta in the, <laughs> the window. Yeah, I got a headache. Right, migraine. He had to. Yeah, he turned around the Atlanta. He had the he had the migraines <laughs> and turned, he went back home. That's okay. You can uh, you can let some of those things go. I'll tell you, one of the all timers though is '95 guys. Uh, that's when uh, Selena Roberts and Kurt Brown broke the story. I think in February of that year on the on the sexual harassment out there and the whole Danny thing and yeah yeah. And then he did the, uh, you know, then he did the, he looked like Saddam Hussein down there in the, uh, in the pit, you know, he did the, he did the press conference from down in the bowels of the winter park to, to uh, respond to the charges. Yeah. Basically had not appeared in public with the media around, except maybe for Larry Fitz or somebody, but, uh, and then the draft comes, right. And then the draft comes. So they're going to be out in public. And that's the year they don't take Warren Sapp. They had the uh, 11th, 11th pick. And Henrik was still in charge then. And there was a rumor that uh, Sapp had tested positive for cocaine at the yep. NFL combine when he got there, which was later refuted. But I don't think, I don't think uh, Henrik allowed him to draft Sapp or whoever was calling, you know, whoever was his boss, because he picked Derek Alexander and who was a, you know, mediocre uh, lineman. He got in uh, mediocre defensive lineman and then Sap Sap went next to Tampa Bay and Denny was a hated being in our presence because of the uh, scandal and B uh, extremely upset in my opinion, that he wasn't able to draft Sap because he knew, you know, he knew yeah. Sap was a arse kicks kicker, and uh, boy, that was a contentious. <laughs> that was a contentious <laughs> twenty minutes as he was talking about the choices, and uh, uh, that was uh, I, I remember that one. But Denny was right, you know, Denny. Yeah, Denny yeah. could yeah. recognize. Yeah. Denny could recognize talent, and uh, and he saw one guy was going to be a monster and the other guy was an okay defensive lineman and they didn't let him take sap. He was not happy. Well, think about how different 98 maybe is if, uh, if they have, yeah, I mean, obviously they yeah. defense had John Randall and it was able to, to be awfully good, but uh, think if they have him and, and yeah. that the bucks and, don't come up and become the challenger to Moss and all of that in the same way, perhaps. And, yeah, history could be a lot different. And isn't that the first year of red, right? 98? Isn't yeah. that one red bottom? Yeah. 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 That purple pride, purple pride, all the way down to Mankato and back. All of, and, uh, Roll the car and uh, you know, he'd stop and Emma Crumbies and Emma Crumbies and <laughs> purple pride, purple pride, give these people a donut, you know. And, uh, and uh, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, red said, draft who you want to, you know. So they brought him on. <laughs> That uh, that changed things. Uh, that changed things to say the least. Uh, but yeah, that you, you're right. It, I mean, Warren Sapp and, and Moss are a great example of one another because Sapp, they you know they thought they were going to. They had the red dot on Sapp, and they also had the red <laughs> dot on Randy Moss, and they said, "We'll take the red dot. That's uh, one of the great talents of all time." So. Patrick, you'd have loved being. Um... You know what was it? What was the year where we take? This I was talking about this the end of your day where Spielman always tells us how 
important draft currency is and draft picks and you got to have <laughs> 15 draft picks and yeah our, our scouts are out there 365 days a year looking at these and turning over every stone and then they take a german wide receiver who they found on youtube yeah yes yeah <laughs> 2006 what i believe yeah because we're watching the draft in the media room which yeah in, at winter park was like a a converted corner of the field house what they, they basically ended up doing when zimmer came in was he looked at it like i don't have a film room to he, he wanted something with with theater seating so he could not have players hiding in the back he wanted to be able to meet everybody's eye level when he's in a meeting saying you know what's the the uh the weak side linebackers responsibility on this blitz and and being able to ask the the corner that's sleeping in the back what the responsibility is so he says i need a, a thing with stadium seating so they build this thing in the corner of the field house and basically made it so you couldn't throw into that corner of the end zone because the the, the pipe and drape and everything is taking up all the space <laughs> so that became the draft room for for media by that point because it was they needed more space and they had a winter park so we're sitting in there watching and you basically end up watching NFL network for like three days. So you hear a lot of Mike Mayock and Mike Mayock is on there talking about Moritz Boringer and <laughs> how they, I think they did an interview with him or something. And he said, I became a fan of the NFL watching highlights of Adrian Peterson. So I became a Minnesota Vikings fan. And then not a half hour later, the Vikings get to the podium and announce they're taking this guy and, and Mayock is saying, Oh, I made him pick. Moritz Boringer and and uh, he got him drafted and all this stuff and yeah that was one of those and Spielman basically said we found highlights of him on what he referred to as the German YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> the American YouTube, but uh, we we saw highlights of him on the German YouTube. So and then hey. he got to uh, rookie camp the next week and was throwing up on the field because the pace of it was. <laughs> and he it could not a... catch the ball. He could not oh. catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Roy Williamson. It was a. Uh... It, it was a great example of Viking fandom, though, wasn't it, man? They, they were ready to see this guy take over the world. It yep. was, uh, it's incredible. Oh, it's incredibly, I mean, he wasn't drafted, but it's the same as Brock Lesnar. Go back and uh, yeah. go back and read the comments from back then when they were going to have Brock Lesnar against uh, who they have inside the, to go with them. They were going to be the inside tackles and they were going to just own the world. Remember that? Yeah. But yeah. And then Viking uh, fans, probably Kevin that, Williams, right? it might've still been Kevin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the great thing. That's the great thing about the NFL. They, every team, 32 teams get renewed every year yep. in the draft. The, the optimism mm -hmm. gets renewed every year. Because, yeah. you know, as crusty as they can be, as foul-mouthed as they can be during yeah. defeats, everything, NFL fans want to be optimistic. And, uh, you know, because they know there's always a chance that you can go from 5 to a, five and 12 now to win in the Super Bowl. And uh, if you have the right quarterback. But it's amazing how it renews itself with the draft every year that people get optimistic again. No other you know, a hockey draft, a baseball draft for sure. A basketball draft, of course, if you get the right guy, that can happen too. But uh, the NFL draft is the greatest marketing phenomenon of all time. And I, I oh, it is. And I love it too, where fans will lose their mind if they take a certain cornerback in the sixth round and not <laughs> pick the lineman. Yeah. And I always right. like to say, tell me exactly how many times you watch that football 
and I guarantee it's zero. I mean, these guys are taking six. You, you don't, you haven't watched the linemen from Ole Miss <laughs> that they take in the seventh rounds. How are you supposed to know if they're any good or not? But they will lose their mind over sixth and seventh round picks and how it's a wasted pick. And like, we have no idea. I mean, I'd like to get, I'd like to give you a timeline on it, but I would guess the NFL draft, you know, college basketball was made by ESPN, right? I mean, college mm-hmm, basketball yeah. went from this little, you know, crazy Dick Patel and all those people, and they started putting the Big East on TV. And they made college basketball. I think ESPN made the NFL draft too, don't you? When they, yeah, I mean, well, probably like, Mel Kiper. Mel Kiper did. Yeah, well, just the whole idea of this yeah. is going to fill eight hours a day for three months. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that just that, that. I think ESPN made it, but it is. It, it, uh, it, I would agree with that. I, and I always find it fascinating. I have buddies that do this, that literally will park on the couch for three days and not move and just watch them <laughs> stop. And it's like, you know, we get paid to do it. And sometimes it's hard to watch the whole thing. You know, it's just, it becomes mind numbing after you know, so many hours. But, but this is, this is Christmas for the hardcore NFL fans. Oh, plus, um, I mean, what was our raging draft controversy for about five years until they kind of shut it down two years ago? The 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 guys who were getting the draft choices and putting oh, them on Twitter, putting oh, them on Twitter geez. 30 <laughs> seconds before they were announced, people were going insane. The league was going insane. Everybody was, they can't do this well. So to that point, I, when that was going on, I was still working at ESPN and you know, the people they were most worried about, of course, were Schefter and, and yeah, right. Warner and, you know, people that had Chris Morton said people that were more plugged in than I was. But <laughs> I, I remember that one of those years getting, you know, probably a 30 second heads up of who the pick was going to be or something. And, yeah. Uh, but I remember having to ask editors, can I put this out there? <laughs> I mean, don't tip the pick because people get mad about it on TV. And of course, TV well, was, was the plus. Doesn't the NFL do everything they can basically to punish the outlets that are scooping them? I mean, they get they, the one thing the NFL's yeah. got going for them, Ben, is they're partners with everybody now. Everybody's mm-hmm. their TV partner. So you all have to take your marching orders from them as far as, uh, you know, okay, you know, you know, there was some, wasn't it, they were getting into some communications, like 30 seconds, people were, you know, who had access to these inner interleague communications were leaking them or something like that, something like that. Yeah, we always had like a, we had a Google spreadsheet that would always tip it. A, a little bit ahead of time and I, I don't I never knew if that was from that or if that was somebody that was at the draft that maybe they because there's times where you'll see a pick posted now and then tv ends up catching up with it later like the the, the picks getting announced on tv aren't always in real time they sometimes have the whole thing yeah and whatnot but there I, I definitely remember that and there's sometimes you watch on tv and they'll you'll you right before a pick is made you'll say you'll hear somebody saying Ah, uh, they, like they've been talking about a tackle for the last two minutes or whatever, and then at the at the last thirty seconds, you hear an analyst go, "Yeah, but I, I could see them taking a receiver here," and then yeah. they go to the podium yeah. with the receiver. So you, you you do wonder sometimes if somebody's tipping them off, saying, "Hey, you can't tip the pick, but uh, say yeah. something here to sound smart, so that we can kind of give people an idea of where it's going." Well, it's, Pat uh, and Ben, 
Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go well, ahead. I was I was going to say there is nothing like both for fans or media when you know you're a quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Yes. Just the, just the build up. I remember when they we you know it's going to be Ponder, but you knew that year they were taking a quarterback in the first round, and it is three weeks of nothing but quarterback talk and quarterback stories and quarterback speculation. It's if if you think your team or you know your team's going to take a quarterback in the first round, it is you know. That's it. By the way, that's a phenomenon of this century too. That everybody, uh, you know, that quarterbacks a, you know, you could have the first five draft picks this year be quarterbacks, but b that they start playing right away too. That's yeah. a that's a recent yeah. phenomenon. I mean, go well, back in Viking history and see how often they selected quarterbacks, like twice or something. I mean, you 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 get your quarterback in the fourth round and develop them half the time and. Uh, you know, the, the idea that uh, quarterbacks are the only thing that matters and they're going to be take up half your pay is just, uh, I mean, that's a that's a that's a 20 year phenomenon, too. You know, it's it's only only this century that that's been the case. Well, a lot of ways is the last 10, because that's yeah, maybe the scale yeah. comes in and you say, if we can get a guy playing at a at a high level in years two and three, when he's making $5 million and the market would pay him 30, that's an awfully big advantage to the rest of your roster. We can use all that money to build something else while we have a, a championship level quarterback. So yeah, a lot of that I think has been really just even the last 10 years since that, that 2011 CBA that kind of reorganized how they're going to pay rookies. And it made it, I mean, they, they wanted to do that because the veterans liked it because it, it made it so that, the rookies weren't taking all the money, but what it did instead was make it so that you have all this cheap labor you're competing with and teams are going to say, well, if we can get a quarterback that we have to pay $4 million a year that can take us to the Super Bowl, that great, let's do that instead. So that's that really has become, I think, in the last 10 years, probably even more of a thing. And you're going to see it this year, potentially, with the first three picks or maybe even four. Uh, if it's the first three, I think it's the first time since 1971 that it would be the first three picks. But yes, this we have to have our guy thing has become uh, very much more of a thing recently than it ever used to be. Well, the Vikings took Tommy Kramer, I think 77, right? And uh, might have been 76, yeah. 77, knowing that he wouldn't play for three years, right? Because <laughs> they still had Tarkington. But the, and that was not unusual. I mean, you you took quarterbacks with the idea. He's not going to play for three years. And that, you know, the third year he might be a starter if he's a really development guy. And that's, that's changed completely. And of course, <laughs> the greatest thing of all with quarterbacks and young ones, and especially is, is we all love them until we see them play. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I was right. trying to remember, did we, did, were we excited about Ponder originally? Did we like that pick or not? I think they, I think they liked that. The um, the public, I mean, they you know. yeah, the public liked the hope that he could be. You know what I'm saying? Like the the unknowns is attractive. The hey, we got a first round quarterback, so he's been the first one since Culpepper in the first round. Yeah, so it's, I think it, I think it's more the unknown. It's like the Christmas present where you're running down. It's like oh my gosh, I got a big Christmas present. This is gonna be great, and then you open it up and it's you know. It's not great. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think there was excitement. The The read on him was, you know, that he didn't have a 
huge body of work and he threw a lot of interceptions, but you know, we'll fix that in the NFL. Don't worry. He'll get good coaching, that type of thing. And so, yeah. And he's an athlete. Uh, he can run yeah. Around and, uh, yeah. It was, it was that, it was that type of thing. He's athletic. And but he scramble, the great so, but, thing about fans is though. Hey, okay. Ponder. I, you know, I like you. My son, I'm going to scrimmage down there, blah, blah, blah. But they all knew from the get go. Once he fails that he was not going to make it. We knew yeah, it was a terrible yeah. pick all along. I, I think <laughs> terrible picks are terrible picks are almost as much fun as good picks, right? I oh mean, gosh, yeah. To me, Troy Williamson is as as much as important in Viking history as Randy Moss. They got, you know, I mean, yep. just, you know, you had Randy Moss, and now you are going to replace him with this guy that you drafted three rounds too early because he was fast, you know. When and, it, it goes, yeah. yeah, it goes in phases too, uh, Pat. I find that. Like, we ripped a player for two years when he's terrible, and then it shifts to, "Hey, he didn't draft himself. Let's rip the team out." So I got to ask you guys a question. I haven't. I don't do. I did it once and almost got a headache. But so when is the big Spielman pre-draft press conference, which will be Zoom this year? But when when does he do that? Monday. Uh, it's typically it's Tuesday. Huh? Tuesday, the Tuesday before the draft. Tuesday. Have you guys ever considered boycotting him? Because <laughs> he never says a bleeping thing. He never says, we might draft him. We might trade up. We might trade down. We might. But it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a fun, satirical game. But the fact that the media, every TV station, I mean, they'd fly in from Duluth for this thing to do, to listen to him say nothing. I, I have thought of skipping it. It uh, my my the darn professional obligations have prevented me yes. from doing so. But yes, I have certainly thought about what it would be like. Be like no, uh, we know how this is going to go, and it's yeah. not really worth the forty-five minutes. And yeah, he I begins. Think, he begins but, each one by saying. I've I've read all your mock drafts, so I know who we're taking. I mean, it's, it's like yeah. the, you oh, know, yeah. the standard punchline. Yeah, Save I've stopped putting mine out before that thing, in part, so that he can't That's use right. that line. And I would tell him if he said anything, Rick, you can you can rip me if you want, but in 2019, I nailed your first two picks, and last year <laughs> I got a first round pick and a seventh round pick, right? So uh-huh. there you okay. go. Well, well you can do you know, I've i always felt. I've always thought if you were in that crowd and he just said something that means nothing that you and you had the next question, you could say, thank you for that, by the way. Right? That was uh, very enlightening. Maybe you could do it again with this question, you know, so un- unreal. Yeah, one of their uh, one of the great busts in olden times, 1971, a running back from Ohio State, Leo Hayden. I, I don't know uh, what that was about, but they drafted Leo Hayden. I just looked him up. Uh, Eight carry, he was 24th, so it wasn't like he was, you know, right up there on the top, but he's, he's right. kind of famous. He kind of famous with old-timer Viking fans. Uh, I looked it up. He had eight carries and one reception in his uh, career. He hung around for three years, but uh, it is – how does this happen? A running back. I mean, you From know, Ohio how, State. How do you miss on a running back? They can yeah, 1970s running back from Ohio State you would think would be a fairly sure thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> I never, I never could figure that out. You know, it's uh, you know, go run that way. Come on, let's go here. Let's, you know, unbelievable. So, so Pat, you, you're speaking of you, you're speaking of bus. So obviously, I think a lot of people put Troy Williamson up there. What was yeah. the pre-draft for Demetrius Underwood? 
We never heard of him. We never had heard. I mean, we knew that he was, um, had played at Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. But uh, we did not know anything about him. And he was, I think, if you look back that everybody expected him to go in like the third round because he was, they all know he was a screwball, right? Yeah, Michigan, yeah. Uh, that was Michigan State, right? Michigan State. Yeah, yes, Michigan State. Michigan yeah. State. And the, who was, was it Saban? Was it Saban? No. It might have, it must, I bet it was Saban. It might have been Saban. But, the, but Danny, you know, this was a, Danny was completely in charge when this had, this was, Danny had taken over as the GM, Red had made him the boss. You know, that famous story there is Jeff Diamond is uh, honored as after the 98 season, they're at the, this banquet and Jeff Diamond is honored as the NFL executive of the year. <laughs> Denny's two tables away and doesn't come over and congratulate him. So, uh, there, was, <laughs> there, was, there was a little decision going on. Then, but, and then uh, about a month or two later, Denny was, they announced that Denny was in charge before that draft wow. in, in 99. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what, what the heck was going on, but he drafted Demetrius Underwood and was very proud of himself and there was, I remember the original story said that, uh, you know, he had some issues at Michigan State. I think he'd been suspended or didn't play or something mm-hmm. for a while. And then that's one of the great days in Viking history. I, oh. I, I went down there and that uh, 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 I think it was opening day, right? And he showed first, up. First day. Yeah, night, first. I wasn't there the night before, but the night before he showed up in fatigues, you know, because he was ready <laughs> to go to war. Yeah. And then. And I, I got there at noon. I was going to watch the a- afternoon practice. And uh, apparently in the morning practice, Corey Stringer pushed him from one end of the field to the other. You know, just, just, it was like, welcome to the league, rookie. And just kicked his ass, pushed him all the way over to Gates Hall, for God's sake, or whatever. And, and he left. And now we find out he left somebody, you know, by the time afternoon practice is over, somebody says he's gone. He left. And, he, <laughs> yeah. and then, then there became reports that, that he'd been seen hitchhiking on the freeway or, so, yeah. you know, 169 or something. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. He was gone. And I think McEnroe found him. Yeah, the great yeah. great Paul McEnroe found him so, in Detroit, right? At yeah. A, Mac, at a hotel? I had yeah. Mac as a, as a lecturer, as a you know, adjunct yeah. professor at the U and Mac would always tell that story in class. Yeah. I think they basically told him buy a plane ticket, go find him and <laughs> go find Philadelphia and go see what the heck happened. What I remember well was Denny. Now he's walking off the field and you got all the TV guys, but he'd done his media session after the morning practice. Right. Yeah. So Denny says, talk already. Talk already. <laughs> Where's Demetrius? <laughs> <laughs> talked already. Talked already. When he stormed out, and he wouldn't talk to us. But oh God, what a great story that was! How the guy? How the is he okay? Is he? I mean, he's he's still alive, right? I there was a I, there hadn't been anything really. There was yeah, really. something about him standing out in traffic, hoping to get hit by a car or something. Years later, yeah, yeah and, obviously had mental issues, but uh, yeah. Uh, you know, still around. I think. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't I seen stories or any, any updates. Here, yeah. but 
that's uh, yeah. that they had three number ones that year, right? Was that? Uh, I think it was uh, two. Two. Okay, I thought there was. I thought he was the third one. Was that? That wasn't. They had, that wasn't Erasmus James here, was it? No, he was uh, somebody uh, high in the a, first round. He was a. He was like twenty. It was like eleven and twenty-five. I want to say. Yeah. Okay. He was a uh, year. Uh, yeah. The year Erasmus three was, a, was another great bust. You know, oh my gosh! So, uh, it was yeah. uh, it was Dante. It's like Dante eleven oh, oh, and uh, yeah. under was yeah. twenty nine. I know a lot of people gave uh, Denny hell about Culpepper because they wanted Javon Curse, right? Uh, the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pass rusher because they thought what the team was missing was a pass rusher, but I had no trouble with taking a you know because as good as they were then you thought that there was no way they'd get a chance to draft a quarterback for that was one of the elite quarterbacks. So uh, I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. And, but uh, a lot of people were mad about that one. They wanted Javon curse. Culpepper was the fourth quarterback in that draft. And I think I said before that this would be the first draft since 71 with three, that that's not true. That, uh, that 99 draft was uh, Tim couch, Don, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith went one, two, three. And then, <laughs> Culpepper and then Cade McNown went right after Culpepper. So five in the first. I, if I was a Cincinnati sports writer, I'd bring up Achilles Smith every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe Burrow now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe had a Burrow, few. Is he going to play? Is he, or is he still out? Uh, I think he's hoping to play. I, yeah. I think it's, you know, one of those where he's trying to get back, but yeah, I mean, so got a lot to prove there. Yeah. But uh, man alive, he was fun to watch as a college kid. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was that's that's for sure. But yeah, the draft is what it's become and what it was. And even when I first started as a sports writer, was not not as a you know not even as a fan. But, you know, you you as I said, you know, you you open it you know open the paper in the morning in 1961 and say, oh, the draft was yesterday. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, oh, they got Tommy Mason. He'll be pretty good. You know, he should be okay. You know, he's okay. <laughs> now, six years later, we're doing a yes. week's worth of podcasts and mock drafts and previews and coverage around the clock. It's changed quite a bit over the years. So who are they going to take? Well, gonna you know, that all these quarterbacks getting drafted got to be great for them, doesn't it? Helps them, yeah. Drafted, yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. They can, they'll get an option. There's going to be a good offensive lineman there if the dummies are want to take him. So yeah, the kid from Virginia Tech, Christian Darisaw, is a name I keep an eye on, and Elijah Vera Tucker from from USC. USC if if Rashawn yeah. Slater's there, um, I, I think they'd certainly like to do that too. But um, the the question is, will he be there that late? So uh, yeah, I mean, offensive line would be the the smart money. I, I wouldn't be stunned if they said. As good as this, as good as this offensive line draft is supposed to be, that they try to do something else, maybe get a pass. Well, now that they but... now that they sign nine defenders for yeah. them, <laughs> I, I would think they'll let the offense have somebody. Would Mike? We 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 got you something yeah. for your defense. Let us get an offensive <laughs> yes, lineman. Yes. As we call him, President of Football Operations, Mike Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I think they're both gone if they don't go to the playoffs. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's certainly a. A, a win or else year, I would think. I mean, yeah. they've kind of been on this they cycle should, going every other year. You know, Detroit stinks. The Bears stink. 
the Packers are going to slip back. There's no reason for them not to make the playoffs. Yeah. Now that you have seven teams in it, they're, yeah. they should make the playoffs. They should win 10, nine. They should have made it last year. Well, in the end. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, when you look what the skill that they have on offense, and they're going to be a lot better on defense when you look at the guys coming back and who they added, that should be a playoff team, right? If yeah. You do, yeah. If you do anything with your offensive line, if you draft a Plus, first round or whatever. Plus, they will be tougher to beat in the in the dome. You think if we have people? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes it percent. It, it does. I mean, it it doesn't make you invincible in there, but it increases your chances of winning. You can't it's go better. You can't go out there and play like you did against the Packers or somebody well, in some of these other games. But but I uh, would say, uh, yeah, a full house and Daniil Hunter will make that yeah. <laughs> that defense a lot better. Aaron Rodgers will not be hard counting you. Uh, yeah, Bank Stadium. Yeah. If there's a full house, I'm sorry though. If I'm yeah. Danelle Hunter, if I'm dealing with Danelle Hunter and he wants all this new money, I said, uh, show me you can play with a bad neck first. Yeah. You know, yeah, sorry, dilemma. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Well, anyway. All right, well, Jeff, it has changed. I can guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick before we've run here, um, in your times covering the team. Uh, your favorite pick they've made, and then you can take that however you like in terms of the, the best character, the, the best pick, uh, guy you thought was the most fun to cover. And we, we've talked about biggest busts a little bit already, but if, if there are others that we uh, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up, uh, feel free to bring those to the table. So, uh, yeah, go go in whatever order you like, but uh, let's, let's close it on that note. Well, okay, Moss, is the, Moss is the best pick, but my favorite pick, Jesse Solomon. I love Jesse Solomon, and he was uh, – what year was that? But uh, you know what? I always judged it on how a guy could fill up a notebook, and Jesse sure. Solomon could do that. So, uh, And he was a good player for them, and he, he came out. But uh, I mean, there's no doubt. Moss is uh, – you know, I wouldn't, you know, want to uh, – you know, he was a complete moron there for a few years here. He did definitely matured. But uh, there's no doubt, ability-wise, he was the greatest draft choice they've ever made. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Moss is their best draft choice. Um, my favorite in my time would, would be Adrian. Just, you know, how unique he was and especially was as a talent. Um, he was pretty funny in his own way to do yeah, it until, yeah. until things went sour. It obviously didn't end well here. and um, But at his peak here, um, pretty darn good. Who's the biggest well, bust in your mind, Chip? The biggest bust that you covered or in your time on the team? Hey, well, it's it's easy ponder. Yeah, you know, and it, and then and I always say through no fault of his own, he should not have been picked where he was. It yeah. was on the GM, but they were so panicky and so desperate for a quarterback, they they just overreached. But without doubt, it had to be ponder. Yeah, yeah I would was, think that I would think, uh, and I hate to say it about him because he was mediocre, but uh, you know, ponder obviously because of the importance of the position, but. Uh, I would go back and say Alexander because they could have had uh, or Troy Williams. Ah, give me Troy. Yeah, Williams. yeah. <laughs> you know, run down the field, catch the ball when you're open. That's all you got to do. It's not the yeah. hardest thing in the world, right? You're faster yeah. than everybody. Yeah. Uh, I, well, you know, if I, if I was a real hardcore Viking fan and I was about to pass into the hereafter, 
And I had one last glimpse of my team. It would be Williamson getting hit in the head with that pass in Denver by Tarveris Jackson. <laughs> probably, probably, if you want to know why a team has never won a Super Bowl, <laughs> remember Tarveris getting hit in the head with the helmet. Hitting the helmet pass in Denver was uh, all-timer. The... Uh... <laughs> In terms of my, this will be year 10 for me, unbelievably, <laughs> already on the beat coming up this fall. But uh, the other the other bust I would throw in there would be Laquan Treadwell. Um, yeah. In, in terms yeah. of, because I remember that draft, they were kind of going around saying, we, we need somebody, we need our Michael Irvin for Norv Turner's offense. And Norv, of course, quit in the middle of that season. He kind of had a falling out with Zimmer. And um Treadwell never panned out, but it was, it was like, and I had heard enough about Treadwell kind of before that draft. Like this isn't going to be a, a, a kid that gets it all at the NFL level right away, but they were, they were excited about him in terms of, well, I think he could run, even though he'd been hurt and we think he's, and he shows up and he's, he's not very big. So you're kind of like, Oh, this isn't going to be the physical receiver that you think you need. But yeah, in the end that, that would be the, the one to me that, is at least in my time on the beat uh, and because ponder was a draft before i started i think the yeah the first the moral uh, ben the moral of that story is if the best thing that they can say about a wide receiver is he has a great catch radius get scared <laughs> i want yeah i want somebody who doesn't need a catch radius because he's open <laughs> open by six yards well that was the thing with him is they talked about all the contested catches he made it's like well i don't want to make contested catches i don't feel <laughs> If you're making contested catches in college, yeah, that the the subtext yeah. of that is well, maybe he needs to do a little bit of a better job getting open. But the in terms of the the best pick or the the I mean Hunter probably is in in my yeah. time on the beat probably the best pick because I remember that one when they took him it was like this kid had a sack and a half and he came out early. Why they don't need another end? They had Griffin still at that point. Why are they reaching for an end here? And I remember the next year Zimmer used to do this film session every year. It was an off the record thing, but. It, the next, I think it was the next year that they, he basically brought us in and said, okay, uh, you can't write any of this, but here's what we saw in Daniel Hunter. Let me show you exactly what we saw. And I was like, oh, okay. And now, now you start to see it when they let you behind the curtain a little bit, but that's probably the best pick I think they've made in my time on the beat. And the one I've enjoyed the most, I guess, is uh, probably Stephen Weatherly that it was 2016, just in the seventh round pick, but Talking about a guy to fill your notebook up. Um, <laughs> super fascinating and game. And he's guy. back. He's and back. He's I was back. very yeah. happy to see that. So uh, that would that would be the one to me. That's they've they've had some interesting guys in that locker room. But uh, yeah, of the current crop, he's he's one of the more engaging guys you'll be around. So yeah, that, those would be mine. Both on that defensive line. Okay, say hello to for me to wreck on Zoom. I'm gonna pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. I'll pass it along, right, guys. guys. This yeah. was a lot of fun, and we uh, for those listening, hope you enjoyed it. We've got plenty of draft stuff all week, and uh, we will have plenty more through the weekend on StarTribune.com and in the paper. So uh, check out all of our work. Thanks for listening to Access Vikings, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Maybe you should get off the podcast.